Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Net. We're being broadcast live on the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the uh, premiere, the debut episode of Horror News Confidential. And, uh, well, uh, we have a, a very special guest co-host. And uh, the man goes by the name of Wolf Dog Joe. How you doing, Wolf Dog? Hey, what's happening, man? Uh, not too much. A lot of stuff going on in the horror world, but um, yeah, let me just uh, let me just put this out there. While our focus is going to be primarily on the horror genre, uh, we will leave no stone unturned. Please, you know, feel free. We can, uh, you know, discuss anything from science fiction to the world of professional wrestling to 80s pop culture to the heavy metal genre, which uh, I know that's a area of uh, specialty of yours. Oh, yeah. That all sounds good to me. And I'll tell you what, I can't wait to talk about all the good horror movies that are getting ready to come out. Um, uh, especially, you know, I know you've got a lot of interviews with the Psycho, the genre, and uh, the TV show that just was aired last night. It was a big hit. We had uh, Rihanna on on the TV, and I'm sure a lot of people got excited to see that kind of pop music hit the horror scene. Well, I'll tell you what. Later on in the uh, 10 o'clock hour, we're going to have a very uh, special interview with uh, Mark Ramsey. Uh, Mark Ramsey, he is um, the producer and the host of a um, a six-part documentary uh, called uh, Inside Psycho, and it's a uh, in-depth look at uh, Alfred, Hitchcock, Alfred Hitchcock's classic Psycho, um, and it's going to be very, very interesting to hear what he has to say. But um, as you just mentioned, on that same topic, um, Bates Motel has been very popular on the A&E Network, and uh, it's, it's very interesting because. Um, Last night, uh, the episode you just mentioned, uh, it was kind of like the episode where everything went full circle, uh, being that, uh, you know, Rihanna was brought in um, 
uh, basically playing, um, you know, the character of Janet Leigh uh, from the original Psycho movie. Uh, so a very different take on it last night, um, on, on what they did. Uh, they finally, uh, it's like I think six seasons in, and, and basically we're finally getting to the infamous shower scene. And uh, as you mentioned, Rihanna, um, you know, uh, did the shower scene, but uh, uh, not to, um, well, I guess this is going to be a spoiler alert, but um, a major swerve where, uh, you know, where they did the shower scene, um, there, there, was no, uh, there was no killing of Rihanna's character. Yeah, she seemed to slip, got away from us uh, out of the shower. And of course, we all wanted to see the the blood going down the drain, and the stabbing. Uh, it's a little bit different, but I guess uh, it was a bit of surprise. Yeah, well, you know what? I think um, Alfred Hitchcock would have. I, I mean, it's hard to say, but I think he would have uh, been proud of how they did it because, you know, I, I'm gonna. Just go on the record right now. I, I'm not a big fan of remakes, but that being said, um, th- there's a couple of them that have done it well. And this TV series, Psycho, um, you know, inspired Bates Motel, uh, I think is one of the ones that have really, uh, you know, hit the nail right on the head because uh, they're doing a great job uh, with just getting into basically Norman Bates and uh, the past couple seasons, um, you know, you've seen, you know, some episodes, if you watched any of it, um, you know, Norman's mother has been alive basically throughout most of the seasons. And it was basically just this season or or the end of last season where they kind of killed her off. So, um, you know, now we're finally getting to that um, very disturbed, um, you know, serial killer mode of, of, you know, what we remember Norman Bates from in the uh, in the Psycho movies. Oh, yeah, we're getting back to the basics where Norman is basically has his mother living in his head. And, uh, of course, he's probably going to be playing the role of killing people as his mother, which we thought we were going to see with Rihanna. But uh, she got away this time. I don't know how much longer that will last. I'm sure uh, they'll still take another stab at it, so to speak. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, we we gave away a little bit um, about, uh, you know, Rihanna not getting killed in the uh, shower scene, but I I really don't want to, I guess, give too much away on on that subject. Um, You know, later on we'll be talking a lot more about, um, you know, Psycho with our interview. But, um, But, you know, speaking of, Speaking of remakes, speaking of, um, you know, classic horror movies um, that are being redone, uh, the news broke a couple days ago that uh, Robert Rodriguez is going to be directing uh, a new version of John Carpenter's classic Escape from New York. Um, What what, uh, any opinions on that? Well, I'll tell you, what a great classic Escape from New York was. Um, he's definitely got his work cut out for him. Um, I would think it's a great idea. I think there's a lot of a lot of new, uh, story to tell, you know, and uh, and it destroyed New York City with all of the, the gangs and the violence. And I, I imagine he's going to be uh, 
going to be saving the president again. I'm not exactly sure if the story is going to uh, go off path or not, but uh, I'm sure he's going to do a good job. And um, I wonder if he's going to have the main character named Snake, or will it be somebody else? Well, well, I mean, you know, I, I think you would have to, you know, basically have that iconic character, Snake Plissken, um, but. You know, I don't think anyone is going to be able to do that role justice. Um, you know, um, you know Kurt, Kurt Russell. If you could find a, re- um, a reincarnated Kurt Russell, that uh, would be amazing. But I'm sure that they're going to do a good job in casting in the in the movie. Well, I'll tell Let's you see, what. What I heard was good. Uh, what I heard was um, John Carpenter, who was the uh, original director. Now he, he's going to be a producer on this, and he's going to have his hand in uh, a lot of the creative, from from what I'm hearing. So, um, so I mean that's a good thing, um, you know. Basically, and trust me, you know I'm a I'm a fan of um, I, you know, I've liked a lot of the things that Robert Rodriguez has done. Um, you know, he's directed Sin City. Um, he, you know, he's directed uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Um, so you know he, he's um, he's a good director. Uh, but uh, but yeah, yeah. How, so, what is your general opinion on uh, horror movies or just movies in general being remade? Uh, it, it's it's definitely what's um, what's been going on in, in you know the last decade or so. Um, you know, anything under the sun that can be remade, they are remaking. Uh, do you like right. remakes? And a lot of or... times it may be too much. You know, it's, but. There's a time and place for everything, and I think uh, movies like like this you know, probably do deserve a remake at this time. You know, I hate to see it being remade over and over again, but there's definitely classic movies out there that uh, we all watch time and time again. We never get tired of them, uh, and it would be nice to see uh, a new take on it every once in a while, but sometimes uh, too much is just too much, and um, I think in this case... We have we have a lot of space for growth here. Well, I'll tell you what. Speaking a little bit more about Escape from New York, um, you know, I will mention this, and this is probably you know my favorite scene from the movie. Uh, I'm sure it's a lot of people's favorite scene, but um, basically it's that uh, it's that fight scene in the cage where basically you have uh, Snake Plissken going up against um, the late Ox, Ox Baker, um, and that was. Um, uh, it was a great scene, uh, and uh, you know, Ox Baker, uh, God mm. rest his soul. It was a uh, you know very um, interesting looking gentleman. Uh, you know, he was uh, fared in the professional wrestling world. Uh, he was also um, featured in a movie called um, Pinwheel, uh, which was the last um, last horror movie of his career. Uh, basically, he filmed that movie just, uh, I think it was a week before he passed away. Um, and uh, you oh, know, wow. just giving props where props is due. Um, uh, you know, he, um, it was, I, I believe it was one of his dying wishes was to be in uh, this movie, Pinwheel. Um, is which, that right? Uh, well, you know, we, we'd is, love to see uh, our wrestlers in the horror movies. And, of course, it would be only fitting if we see something like that once again. 
our friends at uh, Woodhaven Media um, are uh, just great uh, as far as casting professional wrestlers in uh, roles in horror movies. Uh, and I just want to give some uh, some props right now to a uh, upcoming uh, movie from Woodhaven Media called Anders Manor, um, which is um, being edited right now. I think they're looking to release it, um, you know, maybe around Halloween. I, I could be wrong about that, but it's got a great cast. And um, you know, speaking about professional wrestlers in horror movies, uh, they have uh, uh, NWO member Kevin Nash, uh, big sexy Diesel, if you will, uh, is well, going to be heading up. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's going to be in this. Uh, Andrews Manor, um, along with some uh, some other pretty cool um, you know casting choices. Um, one being uh, Sully Erner from Godsmack. Uh, he's also in this movie, uh, and then I think you have uh, Rachel True, uh, which is one of the uh, you would remember her best probably from uh, one of the witches in the movie The Craft. So oh yeah, um, she was the so, lead yeah. role, I believe. Uh, she was the um, uh, she wasn't the lead role, but she was um, she was one of the other witches. Uh, I she forget the character witch. name. Um, she was uh, she, she was one of the ones that were taunting the good witch. Uh, okay. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't recall her character name, but uh, but I, hey, anyway, some pretty good stuff. Um, but. Uh, Hey, listen, um, there's some pretty cool stuff coming up um, in the weeks ahead. Now, this is just our debut episode, uh, and we got, some, we, got some, uh, we got some guests coming up, and I'm going to just uh, announce it right now because it's pretty cool. Uh, next week, and you're going really, to really dig this. Um, we have a uh, we have an interview scheduled, uh, and it's right up your alley because it is uh, someone pulled right out of the heavy metal genre. Um, and I played a snippet of uh, of his uh, new song in the uh, beginning of the um, beginning of the hour, uh, and basically we can have uh, an interview with John Five. Uh, he's going to be promoting. His new album, Season of the Witch, uh, and then the um, well, let, let's just hear uh, let's just hear a little bit of it now. Uh, hang on, I'm going to play Season of the Witch, and this is the track, track 13 of the new album, Season of the Witch. Uh, let's just give a, a quick listen to this. All right.
All right. Well, that was a little bit of uh, John 5's uh, Season of the Witch. Uh, what um, What do you think about John 5, and uh, what do you think about his new album? I'll tell you what, that's pretty instrumental there. I like the sound of it. Uh, I'd like to hear some lyrics, too. But uh, with that right there, that is a new sound, and I think it's probably going to be a great album. All right, sounds very cool. Uh, yeah, so once again, uh, that is coming up next week, next Tuesday night uh, on uh, Horror News Confidential. We have a exclusive talk with John Five, um, and then uh, while I'm at it, uh, in uh, in two uh, in two weeks uh, from today, uh, we have uh, as a guest uh, William Burke. Uh, William Burke is a um, a producer. Uh, a movie producer, and he's also a writer. Um, he's uh, been responsible for a lot of movies coming out of uh, home box office and Cinemax. But uh, what he's going to be uh, promoting is uh, he has a new book, a very interesting book that he's going to be talking about uh, called Voodoo Child, Book One, Zombie Uprising. Uh, so that that should be pretty interesting. Uh, so that's coming up in two weeks uh, here on uh, hard news confidential. Very cool. Yeah, John, yeah, John so, Five is definitely spreading on the guitar, that's for sure. So we're looking for some good things uh, from him. So um, you know, as I uh as I mentioned a little bit earlier on, um, you know, you um uh I, I would uh, consider you a heavy metal expert. Um and uh that's just because you you've been to so many Goddamn metal shows! It's it's uh, you know, crazy. Yeah, I always go to the local shows, and of course, I love my metal music. I listen to it every day. I got a big show coming up, of course, with Metallica. It's a manhunt! A manhunt! I'm, I'm sorry, you were saying be pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, so, it's, yeah, uh, course, you, know, you know, with metal and and, and horror going hand in hand. I mean, you got guys like Rob Zombie that's going out making up movies and putting on good shows with a lot of horror genre to the background of it. I don't know if you've ever been to a Rob Zombie show. There's a lot of pyrotechnics, a lot of demons in the background. Of course, you've seen some of his videos. Oh, so, yeah, uh, without a doubt. Um, yeah, I think um, uh, Rob Zombie, I believe I was at uh, a OzFest that he uh, – uh, headlined with Ozzy back, um, you know, well, it's got to be 10 plus years ago now. Um, but, you know, as far as, he, I mean, you made a good point, you know, as far as like, you know, heavy metal and uh, horror being uh, connected, very connected. Um, and, you know, I think that can date back to um, definitely, you know, I'm thinking Alice Cooper. Um, I mean, maybe even further than that, though. Well, yeah, Alice Cooper from way back in the day. Um all very interesting topics with metal, and I'm sure uh, there's a lot of good movies out there with metal music in it. Um, one of which is made by Dee Snyder called Strangeland. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Uh, that movie is uh, pretty sick and gory, and it has an excellent soundtrack. One of my favorite parts of that is it actually put out a soundtrack that's worth listening all the way through. Every song on it's excellent. And it's actually the first time you ever get to hear Eminem. Uh, on a on a soundtrack movie. Oh, really? Right. Didn't know that. realize that. Yeah, he's actually with Kid Rock on a on a on a song. And okay. It's a great movie. All right. 
it's a lot you know, of I'm going to have to uh, – got to revisit that soundtrack because, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know it's a good movie, and I know they're um, you know, talking about, uh, you know, making another Strange Land. But um, yeah. and I'm sure the soundtrack uh, is going to be just as good. Um, yeah, you know, no, no doubt about that. It's, it's another movie valid for us, uh, a sequel, and hopefully, once again, another great soundtrack that I can keep in my car and listen to it. You know, so um, there, there was news uh, that I want to bring uh, up. Uh, this was actually just released today. Um, it was a. Um, a uh, uh, and this is again another. Um, this seems to be the um, trend here of, of today. But uh, another remake uh, that's coming out in September uh, is uh, they're redoing Stephen King's It. Um, so you remember Pennywise the Clown? So uh, that's another movie that's going to be uh, done. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, uh, you know how they do. Um, that so now supposedly the um, the official <laughs> teaser the teaser trailer for the new it uh, is going to drop tomorrow uh, so when that trailer comes out it's going to be pretty interesting to see um, you know how they oh, uh, the poor clowns don't they didn't they have enough already everybody's scared to test the clowns but I guess what it uh, it makes for good movies but the poor clowns you know if you've noticed lately especially around Halloween there's a lot of uh, Stories going around about the clowns in the woods, and then, I mean, people are just spooked out by clowns more than they are, you know, laughing at them. Man, oh yeah, the clowns, I mean, <laughs> the poor clowns are going to take a beating on this one, but I'm sure it's going to be a scary movie. And let's just face it, it's going to scare the crap out of people that are already scared of clowns. Yeah, we, we certainly had a uh, a clown sighting epidemic uh, uh, this past Halloween, and I think a lot of that had to do. With um, well, I mean, you know, basically the um, the announcement of the upcoming it, and then also American Horror Story uh, Freak Show uh, featured, um, you know, uh, you know, basically a killer clown, and um, there's been a lot of that lately. It's it's pretty popular, um, but hey, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. You know, uh, I like clowns, and and even more so, I like evil clowns. So it's uh, <laughs> you know, it's all good. Uh, they um, in the Harris movies, that's for sure. So, I mean, uh, it's another movie valid for a remake. Oh, no, without a doubt. Um, so, anyway, at this time, uh, we're, we got a couple commercials that we got to go to. So, we're going to um, hit our commercial breaks right now. Uh, we'll be back in about uh, three and a half minutes. Attention business owners, website owners, event promoters, or anyone looking to promote your product. The Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network is the perfect way to spread the word of your business around the world. That's right. You can advertise at our network and be played on all of our shows at rates that are so cheap. It's a no-brainer. For more information, contact Bay Ragney at bayragney at gmail.com. To keep your business driven, stay driven with Totally Driven Entertainment. Are you a fan of Sherlock Holmes? Letters from Holmes offers unique, one-of-a-kind letters from the world-famous detective himself. Handwritten on 8.5-inch by 11-inch aged parchment paper and using smudge-free ink to produce original, high-quality letters that fans will treasure for years to come. Each letter is handcrafted and written from the perspective of Sherlock Holmes, mimicking Holmes's native tongue and embracing many of the famous detective's quirks, quips, insults and peculiarities. Order a love letter, birthday greeting, personal correspondence, or more. 
only at www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash letters from homes. For $5 today, you can buy a wealth of things. Gas for your car, rent a movie for the family, a few slices of pizza. $5 still takes you a long ways. But did you know that $5 can buy your child a bag of heroin in the streets? That's right. For only $5, your son or daughter can buy some of the cheapest and purest dope in the country. Be aware of the lies. Be aware of the stealing. Be aware that's all it takes to kill your child. $5. This message was brought to you by Casey's Cause, a group of parents located in southern Chester County out to save your child's life. Come join us today at www.caseyscause.com. And remember, $5 is all it takes. Casey's Cause www.caseyscalls.com Looking for that perfect gift for your girlfriend? Then look no further than Teddy Scares. Teddy Scares are available in a variety of styles, sizes, and prices for all your shopping needs. Teddy Scares are a mix of cute and creepy to make a great gift for almost any age. Board up your windows, lock your doors, and log on to teddyscares.com. And be sure to become our friends at facebook.com slash teddyscares. Calling all comic book fans. Do you collect comics? Did you ever collect comics? Do you think your children might like reading comic books? Do you even know they still print real, paper, non-digital comic books? Well, then visit the Pirates of Ontario Street Comics in Philadelphia. We have a massive collection of comic books, action figures, trading cards, and much more. We have one of the largest stocks of back-issue comics in the area. We bag and board every new comic book at no extra charge. Our store is voted the best comic book shop in the 2013 PHL 17 Hot List Contest. Part of the movie Unbreakable is filmed in our store. We are open seven days a week. Ontario Street Comics is located at 2235 East Ontario Street in the Port Richmond section of Philly. Our phone number is 215-288-7338. Type in the words Ontario Comics Philadelphia to check out our wacky stores page on Facebook. Okay, we are back uh, with you guys, and uh, you know this is Horror News Confidential, and uh, this is our debut episode. We've been uh, talking about uh, Bates Motel. We've been talking about Escape from New York. Uh, we were talking about uh, you know the a new Stephen King's It being remade, uh, uh, remakes in general. Um, but uh, uh, so Wolf Dog, um, let me know something. Uh, uh, we all go way back with horror movies. Uh, what was the um, the first uh, first time you remember being a uh, uh, lured into the horror genre? Well, you probably recall as well as I. It's the Faces of Death movie that we ended up talking your parents in the rent. At that point, we all oh, yeah. knew that uh, it was the the blood and gore. Uh, even even though with that being as sick as it is being real, uh, it was something to behold. Now, living across a movie theater when I was younger, uh, a lot of movies went past my eyes at a young age. The uh, Starlight Drive? Uh, absolutely. And we, one of the first ones that come to mind for me would probably be Jaws, Halloween. I remember one is Don't Answer the Phone When You're Alone. And a lot of those movies that just uh, stick in your brain. And as you grow older, you know, you just you learn to appreciate them more for what they are and more of an art. And uh, every once in a while you get that hair-curling uh, experience again, when, as if you were a young kid, feeling like you're inside the movie. 
the most scared enemy oh, in home was dark. Oh yeah, no, no, without a doubt. Um, you know, I think uh, you know any any horror fan, um, you know, would have to say like you know. John Carpenter's Halloween, you know, you mentioned it. Uh, that for me was, I think, the one that uh, reeled me in. But I mean, seriously, if we want to even go further back than that, um, you know, I, I think the first time that I enjoyed watching, uh, you know, monsters and and that type of thing, uh, you know, was uh, back in the days of uh, Creature Double Feature Saturday afternoons, uh, you know, and uh, the old Universal Studio uh, movies like Frankenstein and, and Dracula mm-hmm. and uh, the Black you know Moon. yeah yeah you know and I mean even um, you know Abbott and Costello ver- uh, meet Frankenstein um, which is a, like technically a comedy but I mean you know it had you know basically the you know the the triple threat in there Frankenstein Wolfman and Dracula uh, so I mean that was that was just fun, and I think that kind of kick-started, you know, this obsession with me. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, even Psycho is one of our topics tonight, and I think Psycho is such a classic, you know, especially with the, the Norman Bates just being a little sick in the head and ended up stabbing people in his motel. It's just something that you it sticks in your brain, you remember it forever. And that's oh, a, yeah. A I very mean, classic sight. Uh, I mean, you know, jumping back to Psycho uh, and uh, Alfred, um, you know, I watched all those uh, all those um, Alfred Hitchcock hour, uh, like Alfred Hitchcock presents with the, you know, the mini half hour stories, um, you know, and then like, you know, watching his movies, uh, you know, I enjoyed the birds tremendously. And then Rare Window was another one that uh, is, is up there and, you know, my favorite um, Hitchcock movies. Um, so, I mean, the, uh, you know, the guy knew what he was doing, um, and, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, a lot of horror directors out there now, um, and, you know, I guess, you know, Alfred Hitchcock, I, I don't know if, you know, back in the day, if he was called a quote-unquote horror director, uh, I don't know if they had that real terminology back then of labeling, like, you know, okay, this guy's a a horror director and this guy is, you know, not, but I mean, certainly psycho kind of, you know, etched in there, um, you know, the beginning of, of a whole new, uh, you know, way of looking at, at movies. Um, yeah. And, uh, years, that movies, that movie's pretty old now. And I guess it's got, did take a chance in putting this thing out there. But that. Yeah, I mean, you know, without a doubt. I mean, you know, Psycho, um, you know, without Psycho, hey, you know, the modern uh, horror movies that we have today, uh, you know, may have been altered if it wasn't for Alfred Hitchcock's vision. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of people don't realize that, along with many, many other movies, you know, Psycho, they say, was based off of a novel that was written in part uh, by the Wicked doings of uh, Ed Yeans. Yeah, and I think later on um, uh, Mark Ramsey's going to get into that a little bit more in depth. It's going to be a very interesting interview. Uh, no doubt about it. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I've listened to some of uh, uh, the conversations he had of Psycho and some of the walkthroughs, and they're pretty intense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, and, uh, you know, the thing is, I mean, Psycho, um, to to the, that shower scene, I mean, basically, you know, when that was going down, um, I mean, to kill off your main actress, like, midway through the movie, um, I mean, that had never been done before, you know? So, I mean, like, he was... Um, you know, creating the ultimate swerve, um, you know, when, you know, basically you think, you know, a movie's going one way and, uh, well, obviously no one could predict that. Um, and then it kind of like took a complete left turn and it's like, oh, wow, this main actress is dead. Now where's, where, where's this movie going now? Right. Yeah, it seemed to end prematurely, but there's still a lot of story left in it. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, I guess so, that's just the way Hitchcock liked to have the beginning, the end, and somewhere in the middle a twist. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I've kind of lost track myself. Being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? <laughs> do you feel lucky, punk? <laughs> so uh, I just want to take uh, take a minute right now, and I want to talk about art exploitation films. Um, and, uh, you know, there's... Um, there's some great movies coming out of this company. Um, one in particular that I want to talk about right now, um, you know, is, um, you know, speaking of, um, you know, movies like, um, you know, Psycho, where, you know, your main character is, a, a, you know, a deranged serial killer. Um, they have a movie out now called uh, The Anatomy of uh, Monsters. Uh, it's directed by. Uh, Brian C. Miller, and uh, you know what's um, what's pretty cool, and what you might like about this guy is not only is he um, a director uh, of this you know this horror movie that's um, uh, being put out by Art Exploitation Films, but uh, he's also a musician, uh, and his uh, his band is uh, Ghost in the Graveyard, uh, and. They, uh, did, have you ever heard of them? Uh, I think I may have heard of them. I don't know uh, the names of any of their songs, but they sound very familiar. Okay. Well, I was uh, I was sent a track uh, from Brian, uh, and this is uh, basically his newest song. It's called 13 Ways to Die. Uh, so we're going to take a, a little bit of a listen to it right now and uh, see, what, uh, see what we think about it. All right, hang on a sec here. We'll we'll take a look and see what this is all about.
there you have it. There's uh, some of the song uh, 13 Ways to Die. Um, and uh, Wolf Dog, any, uh, any opinions on that? No, man, that sounds pretty good. I just got a story to tell. Now, is that the soundtrack for the movie? I think basically um, all of um, all of their songs have to do with the horror genre for the most part. Um, I, I don't think this particular song was part of the um, the soundtrack of the movie. Um, but, uh, you know, if anyone is interested in uh, the uh, uh, the Anatomy of Monsters. Uh, go do uh, Art Exploitation Films to uh, to check it out. They also have a another title that they just released um, called Deadly Virtues. Um, so uh, you know both of those um, you know very uh, twisted, demented uh, type movies. Uh, yeah, I think you'd like it. Yeah, I see a little uh, review on it, and it sounds like it's. Uh... It's a movie that takes another little twist where somebody tries to abduct somebody and then ends up uh, taking a turn for uh, a change for maybe the victim in this case. You never know. It looks like it's full of surprises. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So, I, I guess... Uh, uh, a lot of intellect talk, it looks like, too. Which is uh, intriguing. That's it, man. It's game over, man. It's game over. <laughs> so yeah. So anyway, um, what uh, what's pretty cool is uh, next week, like I said, we have uh, an interview with John Five. But um, you know, I also uh, also got word that uh, we're going to have um, you know Brian C. Miller calling in as well, uh, and he is um, the um, uh, lead singer of the song that we just listened to, uh, and the director of uh, the Anatomy of Monsters. So, uh, so next week's turning into uh, you know quite the uh, horror slash uh, you know metal music type uh, variety hour or two hours. Um, so the next week should be right up your alley. Um, oh, you know, that's, cool. that's cool. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm sure he's got a good movie on his hands there, and I can't wait to see it. Oh yeah, no doubt about it, man. No doubt about it. Um, so uh, you know we can uh, we can take a uh, a hard left turn right now. And uh, uh, as a lot of people know, uh, you know besides the horror genre, and um, you know I do love my uh, my gore gory movies and and whatnot. But uh, you know I'm also uh, a number one wrestling fan. Uh, I used to. Uh, do a, a podcast uh, on Tuesday nights called Tuesday Night Neckbreaker, uh, and uh, you know, with dog, my uh, my former co-host uh, was uh, uh, he was under the name of Moon Dog. Uh, he went missing about two years ago. Um, the police reports are still out. I think they're still looking for him. But um, but uh, you know, besides all that, um, you know, professional wrestling and it's WrestleMania week. Uh, WrestleMania is next Sunday. Um, so if you want to just uh, touch on that just a tad bit, we can. Um, are you uh, going to be watching uh, Mania this year? Uh, I typically haven't been watching it, but um, make a change. I'm still more of the classic type wrestling. I still miss having those, you know, big attitudes, interview type, you know, the type of wrestling that I grew up with with 
Hogan and Snuka and Roddy Piper and Andre the Giant. Those are the kind of guys that uh, I'm looking for. And I know they still try to put on the best show they can. And I still like wrestling. It's just it doesn't pique my interest much anymore. But uh, I wouldn't mind uh, taking a look again and seeing what it's all about. I know there's a bunch of new faces out there. I don't know much about them these days. I know all the the typical ones. The Triple H is now the managers and Zena and all that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you can well, you're, you're, among, you're, you're among many of us, and, many uh, of us you, know, uh, you know, really, really look for the old school wrestling more than the crap that they have out there today. Yeah, I mean, you remember the days when we had the great interviews. And, uh, you know, of course, they were putting on a show for us, but, man, it just was entertaining. And it was uh, more about the personalities than it was the, you know, Massive wrestling moves, even though they did put a good show in the ring, too. And let's just face it, they used to what we call juice. And um, the blood was all over the ring. They'd break out the barbed wire. They'd hit each other over the chairs until the, blood, until the forehead split open. These were the golden ages of wrestling. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, hey, everyone, you know, uh, I like my gore and my wrestling, and I like my gore and my horror movies, so um, no no doubt about it. You know, I mean, what's a steel cage match with, without some blood? You know, what's what's pretty sad is, you know, some of the uh, people that you'd named, um, you, you named like Roddy Piper and Jimmy Snooker and Andre the Giant, you know, and it just like makes me feel old because like all those guys are dead, you know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, sadly, you know, I mean, every week, uh, all my uh, heroes from the uh, yesteryear, uh, the glory days of professional wrestling are like, you know, dropping uh, like flies. You know, we lost Dusty Rhodes. We lost, uh, um, you know, like I just mentioned, uh, you know, a little bit ago, a couple months ago, we lost Jimmy Snuka. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's been a terrible year for a a lot of stars, especially wrestling. And, um, I mean, last time I went to wrestling, I did go to a, a wrestling show. Uh, I took my kid. I didn't really know too many people that were in the ring. The women were great. I can't admit that. And uh, the, the time before that, when I had a real good time, I would say, was when I went to ECW Arena. And that's when I really, that was probably the last time I really got to enjoy wrestling. And, uh, you know, back then. Well, they, I mean, yeah, I mean, that makes sense because, uh you know, ECW was, uh, you know, homegrown, uh, you know, right uh, across the bridge in Philadelphia. And, uh, you know, I mean, basically, you know, they um, you probably my favorite promotion of the 1990s, um, you know, when there wasn't a whole lot going on, uh, you know, in the other promotions, you could always look to ECW for, you know, something a little bit more creative and, and something like a little different than, um, you know, what the uh, the two major federations were putting out, uh, WWF and uh, WCW. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, what, a, what a show, you know, like uh, Sandman would come into the ring with the towel glare, and he'd bring in the ladder, he'd climb to the top of it, he'd crack open a beard, pound the whole thing, and beat it off his forehead until blood came out. I mean, that was for real. That was fun. Yeah, it, even, <laughs> it was real fun, and then it wasn't even a match later that Sabu came out, and I witnessed this firsthand. I was basically in the second row, and Sabu does a triple flip off the top rope in the air and lands on his stomach right on the metal garter bar right in front of me. Meanwhile, while his blood's coming out of his forehead, it splatters all over my shirt. 
I mean, I hear all the air come out of him. That was for real. Yeah, I mean, seriously, you know, um, you know, wrestling um, and, you know, bloody matches, uh, you know, uh, you're talking about Sabu's blood splattering on you. It just it's got me thinking about a, uh, you know, prior to uh, ECW uh, when uh, Joel Goodhart used to run, um, you know, shows in Philadelphia. Um, you know, he's promoting uh, a feud between Cactus Jack and Eddie Gilbert. And uh, I think it might have been like at Pennsylvania Hall. But, uh, you know, I remember basically being there. And um, there was so much, they, they were fighting in the crowd. And I mean, they lost so much blood. There were just puddles everywhere. You know, they were bouncing each other off the walls. And then, like, you know, you had blood, like, smeared across the wall. Um, literally, it, it looked like you were stepping right into a, a horror movie. Um, I yeah, think. Yeah, um, what a perfect fit for your website. But I'll tell you, it's. Uh, yeah. It's far in between what you see on TV nowadays with the WWE. I know it's gone commercial. Uh, they try to come up with the attitudes, and but it's it just doesn't seem the same anymore. And I'm sure they can pick up speed, speed and possibly bring in some new faces, some new attitudes. And every once in a while, you know, take a little razor blade to the forehead, maybe. This old dusty road stuff. You know. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, you know, I I, I miss the, the miss the days of the juice. Uh, I miss the days of the blood. Um, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, I'm gonna intertwine some things right now. Um, you know, just uh, creatively thinking. Um, you know, we've all seen you know many of matches and you know Dusty Rhodes versus Kevin Sullivan or. You know, you know whatnot, and you know blood is flowing. Abdul the Butcher, you know Bruiser Brody, you know you you name it. But all these guys were great bleeders. Tommy Rich, maybe one of the greatest bleeders of all time. Um, so, you know, thinking of that, just thinking of that whole you know wrestling concept of um, you know a match, and as the match progresses. Um, you know, blood adds a lot to the storyline of, of a professional wrestling match. It adds a lot of drama. It, it adds a lot of heat. Um, and, uh, you know, basically, you know... Um, blood always you know, makes the story better, doesn't it? Right, exactly. So you're, you know, you're sitting on the edge of your seat, you know, and you're, you're wanting this guy to, you know, overcome this, you know, massive blood loss and, and you know, make a comeback. Okay. So that being said, now I don't think this has ever been done. I don't think this has ever been done, uh, and I don't think it legally it probably can't be done. But just putting it out there, wouldn't it be cool if there was a horror movie that used real blood? No, I think it, it's a, it would be perfect and fitting, and I think I would use it as an advertisement if I was the producer. You know, uh, it's I mean, funny you say that. When you think about real blood and fake blood and pig's blood and what's being used, um, you know, one interesting fact that I've read that, you know, the movie Psycho, which is one of our topics, do you know what they use for blood? Not offhand, but enlightening. Well, I believe it is. <laughs> it was in black and white when it first came out, right? Ironically, I heard they used Bosco chocolate syrup. For Leah's blood, uh, 
Isn't that some shit? I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if uh, that's true, but if it is, I mean, that's 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 pretty cool. I mean, I can, I can see how they could get away with that in a black and white movie, no doubt about it. <laughs> but I'm sure they have plenty of good uh, Hollywood mo- blood to use for some of these special effects. But there's nothing that can compensate uh, a juicing in the in the ring. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm dead serious. I, I would like to see a movie. Now, it would have to be, um, you know, a very, a very, very, very independent movie. Um, obviously, no studio is going to give the green light to, um, you know, have their main actor, uh, you know, bleed. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if a, um, you know, if some low-budget movie uh, came around um, and, had someone blade, um, you know, from being chased by like, you know, a monster or like a serial killer. Um, I mean, you know, filming you in actual physical wounds that are bleeding. Or are you talking about bringing in transfusion type blood? No, I'm talking about cutting the actor and having him bleed. I'm talking about <laughs> the actor about actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about in a horror movie in a, or a movie. I think it would add like a whole new dimension because if you think about it, you're watching a scene in a movie, right? Okay. And like, you know, someone has blood on them. You're not seeing that blood really after like a, a the the one scene, you're not really seeing it flow. You know, if you have a continuous shot and, you know, as the movie's progressing, you know, and to see the actor slowly start to bleed and then continue bleeding and getting more and more bloody as the scene goes on. I mean, mm-hmm. just just that visual of like, wow, you know, like I'm seeing this guy like talking or screaming or whatever as the blood is pouring out of his forehead. Um, I mean, that's that's golden to me. I mean, maybe oh, yeah. I'm, I, I, if I was an actor and I was getting paid enough, I would surely do it. I wouldn't have a problem with. It. As for these other people, well, I, I don't mean, know. <laughs> I mean, obviously, the way you get around that is you cast a, a professional wrestler as your lead. Um, so you're someone who has a history and has no problem, uh, you know, blading. Uh, and then, you know, boom, you know, presto, change. I think, bingo, I think you're bingo. on to something. I think you're on to something. Yeah. But I don't know if you want another actor slicing and dicing at him. Maybe it's something that can be done off to the side and then. Quick flash of the well, blade, you know. uh, a little bit of sound, a little bit of sound to go with it. it well, you know, hey, you know. Interesting fact that I have here pertaining to Psycho. What do you think they use for the stab sound in the shower? Now Hitchcock, mm-hmm. he used uh, he, he he brought some uh, cantaloupe, honeydews, watermelons, and kielbasa. What do you think he used? Uh, you know, I'm going to go with watermelon. Am I right? It was the kielbasa. It was the kielbasa. It was interesting. A little, uh, yeah. little tidbits uh, that uh, I did not know. Well, I did but, some research uh, on, on my psycho schematic movie series, and I just got some facts and figures. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Which made me forget. Uh, but uh, 
uh, no, that's that's cool. I'm, I'm glad you did a little bit of, uh, of research because uh, um, I'm always, you know, glad to, to, you know, gain a little bit of knowledge about some stuff I don't know about. So that's pretty cool. Um, you know. Yeah. Gonna, as a matter of fact, you know, you know that Mother's Head was put in a museum in France that was sent there personally no. by Alfred Hitchcock through the mail. I thought that was quite interesting because when you look at the the head of mother from the original movie, you know, it is kind of plastic looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta I gotta visit France then, huh? <laughs> and I'm sure this up this upcoming episode that we're gonna see is gonna have another shot of mother in a taxidermy self. As we already saw. Well, we um we're talking uh, all throughout the um you know this podcast about uh on and off about psycho um right now what I'd like to do is uh there's like a um uh a little teaser uh about this inside psycho documentary um that uh you know mark Ramsey hosts uh let's take a listen to it right now and uh then uh, you know we'll, we'll get uh get some feedback afterwards. Words spread fast about the hell unleashed in Plainfield. From there, if you take Wisconsin 22 to US 10 East to Wisconsin 110 North, about 35 miles, you come to the town of Weawega. There, a writer, Robert Block, devoured every detail. He had a couple books to his name already, but the story of this strange man in Plainfield gave him an idea, and that idea became a book. A book which was optioned by a famous Hollywood director and became a legendary movie. Why'd you do it? That's what they asked Ed Gein. Why'd you do it, Ed? Well, she reminded me of my mother. This is the story of a movie that almost didn't get made. A movie where the star dies after only 47 minutes. A movie its studio hated. A movie the New York Times called a blot on an honorable career. A movie now regarded as one of the finest ever made. A movie that changed everything. From Wondery, this is a six-part deep dive inspired by the story behind an unforgettable classic movie. This is Inside Psycho. Okay, so there you have it, a little teaser about Inside Psycho. Um, so uh, what, what do you think about that? Uh, no, the guy tells a real good story. I mean, he's got the perfect voice. He's coming through clear, and he's done some research, obviously. Obviously, he also knows that this movie Psycho uh, wasn't really originally made by Alfred Hitchcock, and um, he actually bought the book. And it is typically um, partly produced through a story through Ed Gaines, who's also um, a psychokinetic thing with his mother going on. It's sick. It's twisted. And he does a real good real good job of telling the story of how this all came into play. Okay. Um, well, 
Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you know, I, I think he does do a great job. Um, and uh, very, very, um, very interesting to um, uh, to hear his perspective on how everything intertwines. Uh, now, this um, this documentary that he did, it's um, it's like a six part um, documentary uh, called Inside Psycho. Uh, where he really dives into um, not just the movie itself, but everything before the movie, everything that went into um, creating the movie, and, and how everything even came about. So it's uh, it's an interesting tale to tell, uh, and he certainly did a lot of research to um, you know to put this together. Um, so, uh, you know, pretty, pretty interested in it myself. Um, yeah, you know, as yeah, far I as psycho- I actually heard uh, a little bit through it, uh, rnews.net, some of the things that was offered already. So I listened to some of the broadcast on it and I was really blown away by the detail that he gave as he was, you know, going into the, the, the shed in the back where the slaughter was and how we would open up the box and, tell you what was inside by lighting up a letter it was quite intriguing oh yeah without a doubt um but uh yeah so again you know we've we've said this before you know i'm going to repeat it um you know alfred hitchcock psycho um certainly you know we owe the horror genre owes uh you know a lot to this movie for kind of kickstarting everything, um, you know, wasn't the first horror movie ever made, um, but uh, it certainly changed the business and it certainly created a new way to look at things. Um, you know, Hitchcock, um, you know, he's, um, you know, some may say a genius, um, you know, for, you know, the way he weaved a, a story uh, that very well may tr- be true. I, you know, I don't know, but uh, I certainly enjoy his work um and uh you know as far as the actual movie and the actual storyline um you know i i can only wish to uh you know create a uh, a tale as good as psycho um now that does bring me to uh you know a quick pitch that i want to do um and this uh personally speaking i uh uh, crafted a screenplay um, myself, and it's called Dead Afterlife. Uh, now, most recently, uh, uh, Project Greenlight has hosted um, a Clive Barker Real Fair contest, um, and uh, you know I submitted the screenplay of Dead Afterlife to um, to Project Greenlight and the Clive Barker contest. So, fingers crossed, we'll see how that goes. Um, but, uh, you know, Dead Afterlife, for those who don't already know, um, you know, I'll give you a brief rundown. Um, basically, this is a movie, uh, and if you can imagine yourself at your own funeral, looking down at your casket, uh, and you're seeing your own, your own funeral and your own coffin, the lid pop up and your zombie self your own undead body coming out of the casket, wreaking havoc on your funeral, eating your friends and guests. So, you know, all this is happening right in front of you, and you're dead. You're a ghost. 
what could you do? What would you do? So, you know, basically, you know, here's the major conundrum that Donald Conley, our main character, faces. You know, as a ghost, how can he stop his own undead zombie self from killing all his guests, all his friends at his funeral? Now, it goes a lot deeper than that as far as the story goes. But, you know, as far as a, a, a ground level, um, you know, that's what we're looking at. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there real quick on, you know, um, I'll give you updates as uh, the weeks go by to see, you know, how we progress with uh, the Project Greenlight and, and, you know, going further with making the movie. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be a great movie. I really, I really hope uh, you can pull out a win on this one, um, the Greenlight. But, um, yeah, I'm really looking forward for you letting me read that script, and um, I think it's got good things ahead of it. Well, thank you, Wolf Dog. I do appreciate that. Uh, any compliment I get, I'll take. So we also were talking about Escape from New York and the new movie coming out. And obviously, you're right, Snake is alive. He will be escaping. Um, we do know that we already had the one Escape from L.A. So this being a, a another escape, I wonder if it will be from a different city. Wouldn't it be great if it was Escape from Philadelphia? Well, that would be pretty cool. Uh, I think they're going to go. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming. Go ahead. It's interesting. Uh, the trilogy, right? If it's uh, Mexico, Escape from Mexico, and you got to jump over the wall. Yeah, no doubt about yeah, it. No doubt um, about um, it. Um, well, it's you know, <laughs> New York, then you're in L.A. Where else are you going to be? Huh? Yeah, and I think I seriously, I think they're going to just go with the um, the straight remake and have it be New York again. Um, you know, basically redoing um, you know uh, Snake Plissken character with a different actor and and that. But I mean, you know, hey, if I would pick a city, I certainly would pick Philadelphia. I mean, that would be a great idea. I. I think that would be so cool there's so much you could do with um you know kind of you know burning philadelphia to the ground and reconstructing it as a hellhole um you know and, and what kind of like you know assorted scumbags and killers and everything would wander around so uh it's always fun to imagine you know what you would make a uh apocalyptic city look like and feel like <laughs> yeah yeah it would be neat to see who would be hanging out um deep in the city of Philadelphia, but I'm sure that they're going to come up with some good ones for New York, and I'm sure that Snake will find a way to win. And uh, I guess he'll be pulling uh, the president out of a broken-down Air Force One, maybe. <laughs> maybe it will just happen to be Donald Trump that he pulls out. You know, it's it's interesting you say that, because, uh, you know, while we're on the, the topic, who would you cast as, as Snake Plissken and um, the president? Any any ideas? Would you pull in someone, like, out of the air? Do you have any ideas of who you might uh, put in any of those roles? Well, I'll tell you. Oh, no. What do you think about Wayne you Johnson? <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's been rumored for a couple of different movies, um, and I'm trying to think um, 
what he's been rumored to play in. Um, I, whatever it is, I mean, you know, I, I think I'd like to see them go with like an unknown actor to uh, play Snake Plissken. Um, yeah, I think they need to share the wealth and bring some new, some new faces up into Hollywood. I mean, we can we can go the total other way and maybe do like a John Goodman, you know, if they lose another fifty pounds. That could be interesting. He made, a, <laughs> he made a pretty a pretty good cycle in uh, uh, Clover. Was that Clover Leaf or Leaf Clover? Yeah, I Clover didn't see it, but um, yeah, I, I, John Goodman as uh, Snake Plissken. That that's 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 odd. <laughs> I was gonna say it would be going the other way, and I think he'd probably have a hard time fitting in the tight leather pants. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely going the opposite direction there. No doubt about it. Well, while, while I uh, I gotta take a minute to grasp that idea. <laughs> well, hey, listen. So, um, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, we have uh, to pay enough. Sully would probably do a real good job from Godsmack. Now, you yeah, could also like use you admit he would sell a hell of a soundtrack for that aspect too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I mean, I would love to see um, him in there, and and obviously a soundtrack from Godsmack would be fantastic. Other than that, and no other actors coming to mind. Okay, well, yeah, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there, but uh, you came up with some very creative ideas. I'll give you that much. Um, but, uh, you know, listen, um, without further ado, uh, we're coming to that time where, um, you know, I'd like to um, get uh, this interview going with Mark Ramsey. So, um, you know, with Dog, um, you know, I'm just going to um, say that uh, it was a pleasure, um, you know, talking with you, you know, for the last hour or so. Um, and I mean, it's been, you know, pretty cool, you know, pretty cool. Uh, talking about horror movies and, and, uh, music and, and wrestling and whatnot. All right. Good. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And, uh, I look forward to listening to the rest of the interview. We'll see you next okay. time. Okay. Uh, thanks a lot. Man. Have a good night. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So, uh, inside psycho producer and the host, Mark Ramsey. Uh, let's take a listen. Uh, we got this interview coming up.
call is now being recorded. Hey, this is Mike Joy from hardnews.net, and uh, we're on the phone with Mark Ramsey, and he has this brand new um, podcast, um, like a six-part deal uh, called Inside Psycho. And, uh, well, I guess, uh, I guess I'll throw it over to Mark to, uh, I guess explain a little bit more about exactly what, um, you know, what this is. Sure, Mike. Well, thanks for, um, talking with me about it. Uh, you know, everybody thinks they know this movie Psycho. Everybody's seen this movie Psycho a million times. Maybe it's like, um, old hat. You've seen it so many times. Now we've moved on to new and harsher, more contemporary things. What people don't know is that there's an amazing story behind this movie, and I thought it was about time that it was told in a way that people could appreciate. Um, and I also wanted to tell it in kind of a unique, compelling manner. That's why I did this this podcast. And the first thing I have to say, I think, is that you know people are always afraid of podcasts. Um, unless they consume them already, it's like, okay, what's a podcast? How do I listen to that? Look, it's just audio. You know, you go to the site, you click play, it plays. It's that easy. Right. Um, <laughs> so the, what people think they know about this movie is really interesting because, you know, it was on TCM last night and I watched it for a while. I was watching some of the questions come through on uh, Twitter. And when you watch it again fresh, it's really amazing in how just how good it is. This podcast isn't so much about the quality of the movie as it is about the stuff that happened behind the scenes. It's about the uh, the mass murders that inspired the character of Norman Bates. It's about how that impacted uh, the author of uh, the book, which in turn was optioned by Hitchcock uh, and became the movie. It's about how Hitchcock paid almost nothing for the book because he bought it anonymously. It's about how the studio hated the idea of him making this movie and wouldn't give him the money for it and wanted to distance themselves themselves from what they thought was a uh, low-budget, uh, déclassé project. So Hitch had to um, put his own money into it. He had to use his TV crew to make it um, in a very short period of time for almost no money at all. And then when he released it, he had the very real concern that it would wreck his career. Wow. He thought this movie would wreck his career. And he had plenty of reason to think so because that's exactly what everybody was telling him. So the doubts that he had as he was making this were just unbelievable. The concerns that he had when he put it out there. And then, the, the and this is what makes the story so compelling to me, I think, is that once he put it out there, once it became insanely popular and changed everything, then he had tremendous trouble following it up. Yeah, he did the right. birds a couple years later, but but the, the birds' success did not compare with Psychos. Nothing he ever did again compared with Psychos. And finally, he found himself in the mid '70s, still working at Universal, um, in a position where his movie, what turned out to be his last movie, Family Plot, did almost no box office compared to another little movie that had been made that same year by Universal by an up-and-coming young director who worshipped Hitchcock by the name of Spielberg. And that little movie was Jaws. So he sat by and watched as Jaws just trounced his movie. Meanwhile, to the end of his life, he never earned an Oscar for his work. He earned honorary Oscars, but uh, those are treated differently in Hollywood. He never earned an Oscar for his work. He never got the respect he thought he deserved. 
And that was kind of the gift the community gave him for making this movie. Wow. I mean, to to really dig into, um, you know, the background of, of Psycho and, and everything that you've done, uh, obviously, and, you know, from, you know, from everything you're telling me, you, you have to be a Psycho fan from way back. So uh, if I could just ask you, when was the first time you saw Psycho? And, and do you were you, like, obsessed with it from, like, the very beginning, from, you know, the first time you've seen it? You know, I don't I, – I, I don't even remember the first time I saw it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> um, I think it's still true that it's never aired on network television. I, I read that once, and I think it's still true. It's been on cable a million times. It's been on independent a million times, right? But it's never aired on network television. That's how bold it was in its era and thereafter. So I, I honestly can't remember um, when okay. I first saw it. I think the effect that it that it had on me is is a kind of a a, a, a centerpiece of modern filmmaking and and modern suspense. I mean, it really crosses all the boundaries. And the other thing is that it's done with a bare minimum of blood. There's almost no blood in the movie, as you know. True. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think there's a little on Marty Balsam's face <laughs> when he's falling down the stairs. But right. there's, there's really almost none. And it, it's and yet the suspense is still there. It's still I, I was watching it last night. The suspense still holds up. Uh, no matter how many times you see it, and the performance of Anthony Perkins uh, and Balsam, especially those two, is just as good as anything you'll see in the movies. I was watching it last night thinking, you know, and I had just seen Bates Motel last week, and I thought, you know, there's no comparison between these two assets. There's just no comparison. So it's not that I'm a fanatic about Psycho in any sense. It's that, there's, right. you know, people think they know this movie. And they don't know it at all. When you realize what Hitchcock put into this, the chance he took with this, how he paid the price for this, and how he was never, ever rewarded by a community that sometimes looks on people who are too successful as too successful for their own good. Well, how, how much how much research did you um, did you put into like you know getting all these details together and? Um, how long did it take you? Well, um, that's a great question. And I think one of the requirements for something like this is that there be some scholarship available. And I use several references, especially a book on um, Ed Gein, who did the, the murders in Wisconsin that were the inspiration for Norman Bates. Um, uh, my other primary reference was a biography of Hitchcock and uh, a book on the making of Psycho by Stephen Rebello that uh, was, in fact, turned into a movie a few years ago called Hitchcock. And I deliberately did not see that movie because I didn't want to be influenced um, for this. But I did right. read the book, and it is a good telling of many of the stories behind the scenes. But, you know, the thing I want to emphasize is that this is not trivia. This is not boring. You know, I set out to tell compelling anecdotes. And this is not, you know, for film students. This is not a shot-by-shot breakdown of the shower scene. Um, these are the compelling stories that go into making this iconic masterpiece that at the time was the worst idea. I mean, people quit Hitchcock. They were working for Hitchcock and they quit rather than make this movie. Right. 
Now, one one uh, of his employees had a chance to get a piece of the back end or just a flat salary, and she chose the salary. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not such a wise move. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm very very interested in um, you know what you what what you've done with this, and uh, it's it's a six part series so how how long um is that all together broken uh, i'm sorry you no know, pouring pouring over um you know the details of, of what's of, of kind of the best practices of this kind of thing so a lot of that has been poured into this show so every episode is anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes Okay. Uh, okay. So it's a it's a grand total of about two hours of content, which is amazing in itself. You know that you can spend two hours talking about something which is barely that long. Um, but uh, and it's told in a kind of an anecdotal, story focused fashion. I mean, it's a the the way in which the story rolls out. Have you heard any of the actual episodes yet? No, no, I have not. I, I can't wait. As as of this conversation, you know, they haven't dropped yet. They drop in a couple days, but with the teasers available now at InsightPsycho.com. But um, the story is told in the way that the teaser is told, which is, you know, I'm telling the story and I'm also kind of role-playing the characters. There aren't any voices. Nobody's imitating Hitchcock. Nobody's imitating anybody. There are no clips from the movie. There is no music from the movie, so there are no rights issues. But the other thing is, nothing in this is overly familiar to you. You're not going to hear the same clips you've heard before, uh, the same audio you've heard before, the interviews with Hitchcock, all that stuff. None of that's in here. This is all the story, not the uh, actualities. Well, I will say this. I did listen to a couple of the teasers, and uh, you know, the one um, the one that got me the most was listening to um, about the shower scene and exactly like how many how many takes it took um, to, to really do that, which I was not even aware of. Yeah, it's, there's, there's actually, you know, uh, there's a documentary that's available that's going through the festival circuit right now on that very thing. That's yeah. um, uh, that is about that is a full length documentary on the shower scene. And again, you know, this is not that kind of thing. I mean, I touch on the shower scene, but I'm more interested throughout this thing. To, to write for audio. Um, it was written for audio. It was read for audio. So it was, it was intended to be a, an immersive experience. It was intended to be a movie without pictures. It was intended to be, as I like to say, an audiographic novel. And that's, I think, what we really achieved in this, in this process. We, and it's fast paced. Um, no vignette lasts all that long. We just run through them one after the next. We begin with the, the backstory of Ed Gein. We get into the story of the of Robert Block, who wrote the book Psycho, and, right. and Hitchcock himself. And you know, the, the, I, I can't I can't stress the numbers of, of things that nobody knew. I mean, to the end of his life, Robert Block, the author of the book Psycho, resented the fact that his book was bought by Hitchcock anonymously for such a low price. The same oh, wow. year his book was optioned, um, um, the uh, another book in the same genre was optioned by Robert Wise 
for like uh, 10 times more. I mean, so he just literally got taken. And he got taken yeah. by a guy who could well afford to pay him the rate that he deserved. And it, it's just these kinds of amazing elements. And he never forgave or forgot that uh, for the rest of his life. Yeah, I mean, I, I would uh, I would have deep resentment, too, if I had written something that turned out to be like a cinematic masterpiece and basically, you know, got nothing for it. <laughs> I mean, I, I love nothing for it. <laughs> I, I love, I love Psycho. I've, I've watched it countless number of times. Um, now, you, you mentioned earlier, uh, I think that um, you, you've seen the TV series uh, Bates Motel. Yeah. Um, your, your opinion, um, you know, how how do you see um you know the the original masterpiece Bates Motel versus um this uh, new TV drama well i mean i think that the the TV show obviously is trying to do different things i mean it's 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 a, a whole different task to create something that runs for you know i don't remember how many episodes it is per season let's say it's a dozen episodes a season um right. in five seasons i mean that that takes that's a whole different ask. And then to make it contemporary and all that, and then to, to just substitute characters with which we're largely familiar is a, is a huge challenge. And then you're adding in all these other characters that didn't exist to round it out. That's another huge challenge. So, you know, it is it is definitely uh, more complicated. And I do think there is it is hitting something of a stride in this its final season. But why is it hitting that stride? Well, it's hitting that stride because Norman is finally becoming the Norman of the movie. Right. Not only that, but the characters appearing in the season are the characters that were in the movie. So right, exactly. Um, I, I think the closer it resembles the source material, the more it hits its stride. In season one, when you know uh, Norman was kind of a um, um, rebellious teenager uh, texting um, girls on his iPhone, well, that was a different experience. Yeah, definitely. But um, the, the one way to answer your question is um, the one of the I did almost you know very few of the principals are still around for this movie. The one person I did talk to um, was uh, a friend of uh, Tony Perkins, um, uh, who uh, who was actually the voice one of the voices of Norman Bates' mother. Okay. And the story there is that he and Paul and uh, Tony uh, were buddies, uh, and they moved out to L.A. I guess together, and uh, around 1958, 59. And uh, Tony had kind of a wicked sense of humor, and they would go to all these parties. And his friend Paul had this great imitation of this uh, crotchety older woman, and uh, Tony would give him the phone numbers of uh, his female co-stars and they would crank call them at parties <laughs> so uh they would call they they called these women and uh, uh paul would pretend to be this uh this older lady and that she was coming over and was right down the street and it was just the, this hilarious thing they were tony recorded all this stuff and he would play this for all his friends and among the people he played this audio for was hitchcock and Hitchcock liked it. Not only did he think it was funny, but he thought it would be a great voice for Norman Bates' mother. So, um, so I talked to the guy who was one of the voices of Norman Bates' mother, and I asked him specifically about Bates Motel. 
And I said, what do you think Tony would think about Bates Motel? And this I actually didn't put in the show. Um, he said he would hate it. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, why would he hate it? And he, he said, I, because he would think that, you know, these, these, these actors aren't doing justice to the, to the original characters, that it was just too far afield from the original characters. And I think also what he was trying to tell me was that if Anthony Perkins owned anything, it was the character of Norman Bates, and he would just hate to see it being performed by anybody else. Right. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, you you really think about that with any iconic character, you know. Um, you know, once it's done correctly, and once it's done so masterful, um, I mean, you really can't duplicate that kind of um, history. Um, I mean... Personally, I mean, I, I really do like um, the TV series Bates Motel. I, I think. Oh, I like it too. Uh, I, I like, don't get me wrong. I like it, um, but it's also frustrating. I mean, we've <laughs> seen every, my wife and I have seen every episode from season one to now, every single sure. one, and uh, we like it, but sometimes it's frustrating. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I get your point. I definitely get your point. Um, you know, uh, personally speaking, I think, um, you know, um, Vera, um, is, she really makes that show, um, you know, her, her portrayal of, um, you know, the mother when she was alive. And now it's like, you know, his memories of his mother. Um, you know, I really like that aspect of it, which, you know, it dives into, um, cause she's such an amazing actress. But, um, but yeah, on the other side of it, you just can't replace Anthony Perkins. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, obviously, there was no, uh, there was no mother in the original. There was no mother actress in the original. Right. Although she did have her own director's chair. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, Vera is a, a, a fabulous actress. There is, by the way, and you've probably seen it, but I just uncovered it a, a few months ago. There's a video that was used at like a Comic-Con about two or three years ago that um, they produced uh, for uh, uh, Bates Motel. And it was in the uh, – I'm just going to walk through it, but it was in the writer's room. And um, they have uh, um, um, – what's his name who plays Norman? I'm blanking out on it. Uh, uh, Freddie, I think. Freddie, yeah. Um, so yeah. Freddie walks into the writer's room, and they see all he sees all these notes on the board of what's going to happen in the upcoming episodes, and they're color coded, and there are the Vera notes and the Freddie notes, and he sees tons of Vera notes and almost no Freddie notes, and, <laughs> and then and then the the producer shows him the the uh, the print that uh, or the uh, uh, print ad that's going to promote. Uh, uh, Bates Motel, and there's this huge picture of Vera and this tiny little picture of Freddie, and he said, "I look like a, I, I look like a, uh, a, Vera looks like a grapefruit, and I look like a cherry or something." And uh, right. Carlton says, "I love, but I love cherries." And then he goes on the, he's actually at Universal Studios. This is the bit that this is the first time that Freddie's been to Universal Studios, and he goes out on the tour. And he ends up at the psycho house and he, you know how at the, at the motel next to the psycho house, they have an actor carrying a body into a trunk as part of the tour. So he okay. goes out, he sees this guy carrying this body into this trunk and he starts walking towards the house to confront him. So essentially the whole gimmick is he's turning into Norman Bates as this feature, as this little promo goes on. 
And right. it's just hilarious. He has this confrontation with the guy who's playing Norman and uh, and then goes back to, to threaten the people on the tram. It is just the funniest thing. You've got to look it up if you haven't seen it. That, no, that I actually haven't. Two things. Oh, you've got to look uh, it up. It's really hilarious. Yeah, no, I, I definitely have to check that out. Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, Psycho, uh, you know, everyone tries to do their own, you know, homage to it. You know, Bates Motel is doing it correctly. I remember many, many years ago, um, I think it was uh, early 90s, they they did a, uh, a remake with Vince Vaughn of Psycho, which was the most horrible thing I think I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's, you know, you either get parts right or you get everything wrong. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, but no matter what, you can't duplicate, um, you know, what Hitchcock did. Uh, even well, Hitchcock he- couldn't duplicate what Kitchcock did. Well, that, that, yes. And that I spent a bunch of time on that in the, in the, and he really tried, he went to the marketing people, the research people, then he, cause he tried really hard to try and kind of get to the DNA of what made this a hit. And, yeah. you know, as Joe Astorhaus memorably said, nobody in Hollywood knows anything. And, uh, you just can't predict these things sometimes. And he tried for the rest of his career, not only to make the movies that he could make, but to make ones that, resonated that way and it just it just never happened it's kind of the curse of great success is you know the first question you get is what do you do for an encore and in his case he had no good answer and that kind of tortured him for the rest of his life um so i touch on that quite a bit in the in the uh in uh uh, i think it's part five and, and six part six actually we talk about the legacy so we mentioned the the you know remake uh, so-called of, of the, the regrettable remake of Psycho. And it's, uh, let's call it the cool reception among both audiences and uh, critics alike. Um, yeah. That was another thing, by the way. You know, a lot of critics hated this movie when it came out, the original. Yeah, yeah, I, I've, I've read that. Um, and, I mean, I... I mean, I don't know. I, I, the first time I seen it, and I was I was young. Um, I mean, I wasn't alive when it first came out, but mm-hmm. um, I, I think I, I seen it when I was maybe I, I would say anywhere between uh, twelve and fourteen was probably mm-hmm. the first time I actually seen Psycho. Um, and you know, at that at that young age, I just remember you know that was my introduction to Hitchcock, and at that point. You know, I wanted to see every single Hitchcock there ever was. So, I mean, you know, I really fell in love with that movie. Uh, and then, you know, obviously, you know, years later, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying Bates Motel and uh, everything. But, I mean, you know, it had a, a huge effect on, on many a horror fan, like myself. Um, and uh, it boggles my mind that, uh, you know, there are you know, critics out there that, you know, seen it for the first time and, and didn't have the same reaction that I did, you know, but, um, but you so know, many I mean, of them came around. I mean, that, yeah, that's, yeah. that's part of the story is that within a year, all of a sudden it went in some cases from being panned to being at the end of the year on the 10 best list for the wow. very same critics. So it's, it's amazing how that happened. It just goes to show you that sometimes, you know, time, does make a difference and um it 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 really is is certainly true 
um, in that case, uh, which is uh, and that whole issue of kind of the legacy of the movie, you know, is again we can look at it now and say, well, I've seen all that before. Well, the reason you you know you hadn't seen all that at all until then. I mean, at the time when this movie came out, people were commonly going to movies whenever they wanted to. You know, when you, the expression "let's go to the movies" meant any time we want, not when right. the showing starts. So people would just drop into movies at any time. And it was Hitchcock who said, nobody's going to get into this movie once it starts. Um, because he doesn't want anybody to know what happens until, you know, they, they, he didn't want anybody to spoil the surprise, you know, the days of no spoilers. Sure. So people actually um, began the habit of going to the movie at the beginning and leaving after the end with this movie. Uh, right. which is really amazing. The other thing is, you know, all the stuff that we're familiar with over the years, all the iconic, you know, from Texas Chainsaw to Hannibal Lecter um, to Chucky uh, to Freddy, I mean, all the to, to Halloween, all these iconic films and characters um, uh, really have their roots in Psycho. Um, yeah. I can't say none of them would have happened were it not for Psycho, but none of them happened before Psycho. They all happened right. after Psycho, and you could argue that they all happened because of Psycho, and that's pretty pretty significant. Oh, yeah, it definitely started a trend, um, and, you know, the trend in, um, like, the serial killer type movie, you know, that kind of, like, you know, crazy stalker, insane person type of movie. Um, and, you know, well, basically Norman Bates kind of, you know, led the, the forefront to, you know, all those other killers. It's so true. And I think, you know, again, watching it again last night for a little while, you know, you're reminded of just how good Anthony Perkins really was in this role. I mean, he really, really was, was very good. And I, 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 you know, it's, it's, I would encourage people to go back and take another look at it just to be reminded. And again, not in the, you know, not in the, the, the scenes, you know when he's uh, when he's grabbed at the end by by John Gavin and his wig is ripped off, but the, right. the kind of the quiet scenes when he's doing almost nothing, like he's chewing on the seeds, which was a touch that he brought to it. You know that little yeah. action of kind of chewing uncomfortably on those seeds uh, while he's standing in front of a stuffed bird. You know, it's <laughs> kind of a it, it, it's. It's just a moment that is an actorly moment that you realize makes an impression on you that's bigger than the action and the dialogue itself. It's why the, it's why a movie really is um, bigger than a script and, and, and bigger than the book on which it's based because it, it, sure. it really has that collaboration from artists of all types. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, you can, you can have a, a fantastic uh, – you know, book, uh, you can have a, a great screenplay, but, um, you know, without the, um, the actors to back it up, you know, I mean, that's not going to, you know, be as good as it could be. Um, right. I, and, I think also there's another aspect of this, and that is that, yeah. you know, for anybody like, you know, your audience, I'm sure a lot of the people in your audience are, are, are in the filmmaking community. And they're not only aficionados of independent horror films, but, you know, they may be makers of independent horror films. I think it reminds you that um, sometimes it's not about the money you have because it wasn't made for a lot of money. Right. It's about um, kind of 
what you put into it. You know, the constraints can sometimes help you. In my case for this podcast, um, you know, I wasn't going to go and get rights fees for uh, for uh, the um, uh, uh, the soundtrack of Psycho or for uh, uh, clips, interview clips. I wasn't going to get rights fees for all that stuff. I couldn't possibly afford that. So I have right. to say to myself, I have to do a show about an iconic movie with an iconic soundtrack that uh, contains no content from the movie or the soundtrack. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty big constraint. But it, it you've, heard, you've heard some of the clips, and I think when you listen to the clips, I, I don't know, in my case, I don't miss it. You know, I don't miss that stuff for being absent. Um, in fact, you know, the stuff we do fills in the blanks pretty well, and I think sometimes constraints can free you from having to lean on the obvious and go for the stuff that isn't obvious. And sometimes the stuff that isn't obvious can make your product even better. And I think that should be heartening to anybody out there trying to do an independent horror film. Well, I, I got to tell you, from, from this interview uh, and then from the teasers that I did listen to, I mean, Inside Psycho sounds absolutely fascinating. Um, and uh, you mentioned earlier, um, Inside Psycho is available March 24th, and it's a six-part series. Um, and uh, I believe the website is InsidePsycho.com. That's right. It's actually the 23rd, Thursday. Is Thursday, the, first the 23rd. Two, the, yeah, the first two episodes drop on Thursday, and then one episode a week until we get through six. And then the other thing about this is, you know, this is going to have a, this is going to be around forever. Because this yeah. is what makes this different from, you know, a lot of podcasts are very topical and very, you know, disposable in the sense that they're, you know, they're they're topical. They're about what's going on this week, which means next week we need a new one, right? This right. particular show is about something that's iconic. So these six episodes can be around. There's, they're evergreen. They're fresh forever. So um, uh, nevertheless, I think it'd be fun for people to catch it at the beginning when the interest is going to be at its peak, and especially now with Bates Motel basically going back to the source material this season, you know, we've got this podcast running at the same time as they're doing that. So it's so it's just funny. Last night I see Psycho on TCM, uh, you know, on television. There's Bates Motel doing a Psycho return and this podcast. So it's in the ether right now for whatever reason. Um, one other thing I'll mention that's kind of interesting about the show is that um, – it's it's like a movie in the sense that the, some of the stories being told are designed to tell a larger story. Yeah. So there are, you know, there are a couple of instances where, you know, there are dream sequences, uh, just like you'd see in a movie. Okay. And, you know, whether, in fact, Hitchcock had this particular dream sequence, we'll never know. But because <laughs> the dream reflects his anxiety at the time, it couldn't be more true. So that there's that level of kind of, um, uh, you know, hyper-reality that's in it as well that I think really makes it compelling. It's not a dry documentary. This is the point that I want to make. There's nothing dry about this, even in the segments you heard. I hope that's clear. Oh, yeah, no no doubt. And, and I mean, it does come across from, you know, everything that I know about it um, is, you know, it, it's not going to be your typical – podcast and you know you know i'll stress that myself this is not like you know something that you can just you know um 
you know, get from your, you know, week to week podcast show. This is more or less a, um, you know, like an audio documentary of sorts. Um, and and yeah, I really is, like term, is that pretty I really much? Like, I really like the term audiographic novel because that summed oh. it up for me. And the reason that summed it up is because all the quote unquote scenes in it are short. You know, it really is like panels in a graphic novel. Um, and I, 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 when I happened on that description, I thought, wow, that really does capture what I'm trying to create here. It's punchy, it's dramatic, it's vivid, and it's, it's told with a lot of economy. Well, before I, before I let you go, uh, are there any other, um, you know, points you want to, um, you know, touch on about Inside Psycho? Um, boy, I think I've actually squeezed more in than I, uh, intended to squeeze in. <laughs> You know, it's been a wealth of knowledge. I mean, just from you know the time that we've talked the past half hour. Oh, so, you, you know, I, me, I, I'm sorry. One of the questions you, uh, I think, on the original thing that I got from uh, my people was that you were wondering what my favorite episode was. Okay. Well, that was one of my questions. One of the questions was, what's my favorite episode of the six? And I, I think, you know, it begins again with Ed Gein and it ends with the legacy. But the uh, the legacy one in particular, the one you have to wait to get to the end for, is in many ways the best because it talks about kind of the end for Hitchcock and the legacy for what he created. I mean, when you when you when you combine those two things together, you know, I have a, a scene in there where Hitchcock is is accepting a lifetime achievement award at the very end of his life, and this is again is the guy who never was given an Oscar for his work. But they had right. the nerve to give him a life achievement award anyway, um, and um, he basically, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, hobbled up to the stage, which he could barely reach. He could barely walk at the time, and he gave a short speech, which was basically a love letter to his wife, for with whom he was married um, for I can't remember fifty some odd years, I think. And it was just a beautiful moment, and it was the last moment the public ever saw him. And that particular moment, that two-minute segment of Inside Psycho is my favorite out of the entire two hours, and that's in part six. Well, well, again, I cannot wait to listen to this, you know, straight through parts one through six. And, Mark, I mean, it, it really has been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, I'm I'm so thrilled for the opportunity. It's not every day I get a chance to, you know, talk to someone who's in the space, who's really enthusiastic, and who's who's you know trying to be kind of a a ground zero for others with who share that enthusiasm and to to you know connect people who are interested with stuff you know they're going to be interested in. That's really a an awesome responsibility, and I respect the hell out of you for doing it. Ah, uh, thank you, sir. All right. All right. Well. That's uh, you know Mark Ramsey for uh, his uh, new um, audio graphic novel. That's it. Did I get that right? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Inside Psycho. Um, and then uh, you can watch the first two episodes on uh, March 23rd, and then uh, an episode every week thereafter. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, Mark. All right. Bye. Take care. Well, you slime-eating dog, you. Scum-sucking pig, you sons of a motherless goat. Okay, that was our interview with 
Mark Ramsey from Inside Psycho. Uh, what a pleasure it was to talk with Mark about Alfred Hitchcock and Psycho. Uh, and, uh, well, as we're coming to a close, I'd just like to uh, thank our co-host today, um, Wolf Dog Joe. Uh, it was uh, it was great talking with uh, with him on all the subjects that we uh, we touched on, um, and uh, I also want to uh, send a special thanks to uh, Arts Exploitation Films and Woodhaven Media, um, and uh, also uh, remember uh, next week uh, we have a special horror heavy metal episode with interviews from John Five and a special guest, uh, Byron C. Miller. Uh, so uh, it's going to be an outstanding episode. Uh, and then in, uh, in two weeks from now, uh, we have uh, William Burke, uh, who is, uh, I had mentioned uh, previously, uh, is a uh, producer and a writer, uh, but I did not, I failed to mention uh, that he is also a, a writer for hardnews.net. So, um, so yeah, we'll have him on board in about two weeks. So uh, lots of good things ahead, and I just wanted to thank everyone for tuning in. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, my name is Michael Joy. I'm the operations manager for hardnews.net. Um, today's broadcast has been uh, brought to you uh, on the Totally Driven Entertainment Radio Network, as well as hardnews.net. Um, and uh, uh, basically, um, uh, just a, a great thanks to uh, everyone for helping uh, you know this, uh, this show to return. Uh, previously, uh, Tuesday Night Neckbreaker and Silver Screams, uh, but now um, you know our, our brand new venture, uh, Horror News Confidential. So uh, yeah, fun times ahead, and we're going to have a lot of interesting topics in the upcoming week. So uh, please. Uh, join us and stay with us. Um, so uh, at this point, I just, uh, just want to bring you out with uh, John Five once again and uh, his new uh, single uh, from his self-titled album, Season of the Witch. So, uh, you know, uh, here we go. And uh, talk to you guys next week.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.